After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is a cross between a social entrepreneur, corporate attorney, and company builder. He is a founder and a partner in Vantage Council LLC, which is a new approach to law firms. He is a graduate of Yale University and Berkeley Law School. After his clerkship to the Honorable Herbert Y.C. Choi, he joined the San Francisco law firm of Pillsbury, Madison, and Sutro, where he gained expertise in the areas of startups and venture capital, general corporate, securities law and mergers and acquisitions, representing companies ranging from startup to public companies and venture capital firms, including Hamburg and Quist. He later became a partner in local firm, Goodsell, Anderson, Quinn, and Stifel, and left to change the legal profession by starting Vantage Council. He is an active participant in various technology-related groups in Hawaii, including Highbeam, Dragon Bridge, the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii, the Advisory Board of University Connections, and the Wayne Brown Institute. Social entrepreneurship runs strong through his family as he helped his son, River, raise over $20,000 for charity this year. Please welcome today's guest, Greg Kim. Welcome to our show, Greg. Oh, thank you. In a nutshell, can you share with us more about Vantage Council and how it's a little different than typical law firms? Well, I've been hanging around with entrepreneurs for a while by way of background and uh, kind of rubs off on you. They look at the world differently. They look at things and, and decide they want to improve them and they do something about it. And then they go and gather resources to get it done. A good friend of mine who is an entrepreneur investor told me, you know, if I ever wanted to do something entrepreneurial, don't give up my daytime job. And I started thinking, hey, you know, there's some things within the legal profession that uh, we can address and maybe improve things. So why not stick with that? Also, having the credibility of working for 20 years, bricks and mortar law firms, uh, I know the customer, I know the providers, and I know what they want and what their complaints have been. So I just decided, hey, let's uh, try something new. I had great times at the law firms I'd been working at over the last 20 years, but I just decided I want to try to strike it on my own and see if we can uh, come up with a new model. And so what we're trying to do is come up with a uh, law firm model that is uh, low in overhead, which means high profit margins. That leads to certain advantages. You can work less hard and make the same levels of income that you would make at a higher overhead firm. That gives you some advantages in recruiting because... People can be more profitable. And I think ultimately, if people have the choice between more money and more time, a lot of people will choose more time. And so that improves the quality of their life. On the client side, we can charge differently because we're not so driven to pay for our overhead. And so we always look for value-add fee arrangements where it's not based on time. It's based on creating a result, getting to the end of a transaction or a fixed price or something where we're paid to be more to be efficient and to add value, not paid more by just adding more time to matters. And so we're experimenting, but, you know, that's what entrepreneurship's all about is you get out there, you try things, you learn from it, you adjust. So we're having a good time. 
What are some examples of overhead that you've cut? Is it primarily large offices and staff, or is it something else? Yeah, I think it's all of the above. I think what I've seen through our uh, tech companies and just through what's happening in in the in the world, uh, we're becoming closer connected through technology. People are telecommuting more. People are working from home more. At-home parents are working more. If you see the trends, the people that uh, come out ahead in these trends are the ones that see it coming before it actually happens. I see the world changing to the point where we could have a roster of attorneys in our firm that work. They're not all in Hawaii. They're, we have one attorney, actually, um, who works in Silicon Valley because he likes what we're doing. He just hooks up. And we don't charge much to be on our roster. We just want to form teams of people that want to work together. So the uh, advantage would be, yeah, you don't need an office. Uh, I think the traditional lawyer model is one cubicle, one, one office per attorney, which I think can be changed because, frankly, when you're a young attorney, no one comes to visit you anyway. And when you're a more senior attorney, what ends up happening is your office is cluttered with papers and boxes, so you don't use it as a meeting place anyway. Mm -hmm. And so coupled with the fact you can work at Starbucks, you can work at Kahala Mall, hot spots are going to be coming up everywhere. Um, There's businesses on the mainland like Boingo targeting the hot spot business nationwide and worldwide. So it's going to become available everywhere to a point where you don't need to be in an office to work. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Greg Kim, the founder of and partner in Vantage Council LLC. Mr. Kim was a former partner in the law firm of Goodsell, Anderson, Quinn, and Stifel and is an expert in the areas of venture capital, corporate securities and mergers and acquisitions, representing companies ranging from startup to public companies and venture capital firms, including Hamburg and Quist. Social entrepreneurship runs strong through Mr. Kim's family as his son, River, raised over $20,000 for charity this year. How do you develop your credibility? You have to be working for a long period of time and have that reputation because if somebody's been working maybe three or four years and strikes off on their own, meets at Starbucks, it almost it doesn't seem as doesn't you know, seem credible. As real. Yeah, yeah, I don't think the uh, market is ready for a firm that doesn't have a location. So we do have a downtown office. We view okay. it more as our campus where people can come in and out and work. In fact, I'd like to set it up, one part of it, to be just like Starbucks where we have coffee, bar, and people sit around tables and talk. Because people like to work that way, but that's a great point. Because we do need trappings of those cred- of credibility, so that clients that seek that will feel like okay, this. So having a downtown office, mm-hmm. uh, having a website, you know, being listed in the standard legal publications like Martindale Hubble, mm-hmm. 
that's part of our business plan because we, while we have some pretty interesting ideas of how the legal profession can change, we realize that clients need comfort that it's a real law firm and ha- will have some of the trappings of a bricks-and-mortar firm. So it, we have both. For people that want to work in the office all the time downtown, that's fine too. We just view that as a variable cost they'll have to pick up, you know. But if they need it and they think they can make money off of that, that's fine with us. We do need FaceTime, though, with each other. So we do have times where we congregate in our office. But the virtual nature of our business actually allows you to have more FaceTime with more people than being cooped up in your office all day. FaceTime meaning that you're actually in a meeting in a meeting room, or would you be maybe on net meeting or some kind of Internet? uh, Both, but right now more physically together. Um, We go to clients' offices. We can go to their homes. A lot of clients live near Kahala. We meet them in the mall, you know. In that case, I can be in my shorts. They don't really care. People want client service. They want accessibility. They want good quality work. More and more, I was seeing that I never saw my clients anyway. Actually, I spent a week in Las Vegas a few weeks ago, and we did a number of closings. Clients didn't even know where I was. It didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel obligated to tell them, as long as I get the work done. Is your business model more of a mortgage net branch, where you can work where you want, as long as you get the work done, if the client feels more comfortable going to your office, you have the downtown location available. Right. We have those alternatives. Okay. And then when you talked about recruiting, so are you going to also be recruiting attorneys from the mainland or is it just local in Hawaii? Once we prove the model out in Hawaii, we do plan to scale out of Hawaii. And in fact, I mentioned we have one Silicon Valley attorney now that we're working with because to scale in a bricks and mortar environment, it's a very expensive proposition. You have to find an office, you have to lease it, you have to mm-hmm. do all the bricks and mortar things. For us to open up an office, say, in Japan or China, we just find a person and we say, hey, why don't you sign up with us? You know, if you give us work, we can give you a percentage of the revenue. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that if you're not connected in the same firm. There's an ethical rule against that. And if we find work that you can do, we'll send the work to you and you get to keep most of the revenue there. So even from a financial standpoint, it makes sense to hook up with another, with a larger body of, of attorneys. And also, it's kind of lonely to be on your own. So you want to be part of a network, but you also want independence. You don't want to have to show up 9 to 5 every day. These are not employees then, or even contractors. It's a network of almost like peers that refer business to each other. It, you can view it as a lawyer community. I think it's a little more than just an Internet community, though, because we do want to work on projects together. And one of the requirements, I think, if you're brought on the roster and you don't live in Hawaii and we don't work closely with you, is you have to be able to work independently. So we have three categories of people that can join our firm. The first is uh, the owner group. The second would be of council types, which um, you know work independently, and they make uh, money off of uh, revenues generated. And the third type would be an employee person, but we're uh, probably going to delay that part of it till we get a little bit more stability because that would be a fixed cost. Mm-hmm. You know, people need salaries and that's, you know, especially starting out right out of law school. And so to be able to do that, we need to get the revenues going to the point where we know that it's going to be fine. Right now we're looking for people that, that either have business or are more of a marketing nature or willing to just see how it goes, you know. I think for the better attorneys, the ones who are confident, they're not going to have a problem with that. Um, Would those be attorneys typically working on their own already? Yes and no. We have people in our company that need to be supervised, but they may have strengths. For example, uh, one of our uh, colleagues is uh, Darren Matsuda. 
he came to our firm from from another firm in town. He um, is going to learn to do more business work, but his his strength right now is he he's such a great networker. He knows everyone, and um, so he's creating the rain. He can create the rain, and to him, we have a platform to create rain because we mm-hmm. have good attorneys with good reputations. So. I think that that's an opportunity for him, and we're happy to share the revenue with him if it's successful. You know, are most of the attorneys uh, somewhat experienced, maybe a decade or so? Because typically, when newer attorneys end up in the office, a lot of them say, "I like to go into a big office because there's somebody who's an expert in something here, and I can learn from that." Are you finding that it's the same with this kind of virtual network, or are you finding that it's it's different? Well, it hasn't been built out completely. We do want to find different levels of experience. Right now, I'm probably the oldest, or I guess you could say most experienced attorney on our roster, you know, having been 20 years out. But uh, we have um, my partner, Elizabeth Lee, has been out practicing over 10 years. And then Darren is behind, uh, I don't know exactly how many years of experience, but le- probably less than 10. And Melissa Pavlicek is another attorney on our roster who's been practicing for probably around 10 years. And Vince Chow is our California attorney who used to be at Goodsell. Worked for me in the corporate department, and he has his own um, business in Silicon Valley. But he signed up to be with us to uh, partly because we're focused on China, and he's fluent in Chinese, and he likes that part of the hmm. world. Yeah. How long ago did you start Vantage Council? Then October two thousand four. In terms of of I don't know if you want to talk about this, but is profitability in terms of your business is it? Are you finding it's much more profitable doing it this way, even at the earlier stages, or you still have to build it up? Well, you know, I think we're a startup, so we're uh, realistic in what our expectations. But I will say that there are definitely a number of months where I make more income than I was making before, which is uh, pretty good for a startup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but we need to build, you know, I guess the bottom line for even our company, and we'll talk about social entrepreneurship later, is we're not about money. We're about helping businesses establish themselves in Hawaii and grow. Our model allows that because not everything we need to do needs to generate money immediately. We can invest some time into businesses that may not have money uh, because we want to help create the next generation of jobs. So the the beauty of it is, though, with our uh, low overhead model, high margin, uh, we only have to work four or five hours a day, really, on stuff that generates revenue presently to make ends meet, to do fine. The rest of the day, we can either devote to revenue-generating activities that make money or, or invest in companies uh, that don't. And that's mostly what we do. We go around and try to help companies launch. Because if they don't have good counsel in the beginning, it could mean their ultimate failure, even if it's a good business. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. 
The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Greg Kim, the founder of and partner in Vantage Council, LLC. Can you talk a little bit more on that business building concept and how that would be different from your typical billable hours for an attorney? It was about five to seven years ago I realized, and this might sound a little silly, that law can actually do good for the longest time. <laughs> so you guys are laughing. That's that's the strategic advantage we have because mm-hmm. uh, everyone likes to uh, put down lawyers and the legal profession. And, and while I think it's an admirable profession, you know, to some extent we deserve that, but... I realize that we can do good okay, with, with the tool of the law. And then I, through the years, I've heard just about every complaint in a book from clients just because, you know, we did the work, we build them, and then they don't pay the bill or they complain about it. Complaints ranging from, you know, you're spending too much time on this, why is this person on it, on and on and on, because time is equivalent to, to money in that model. So it just came to a realization that we needed to do something different with the, with the legal profession. And... Um, there were other models out there, businesses that have done quite well billing and collecting. For example, consultants, right? They'll scope a job out. They'll say it's going to be X thousand dollars, and that's the price. You pay us uh, some up front, you pay us on a deliverable, and then you pay us at the end. Well, we've adapted that approach to our model where we can properly scope the work to say, look, you know, the, the financing is going to be however many thousand. You pay us 25% down, 25% on a deliverable and balance at closing. How long did it take to develop that evaluation process? Because that's pretty important. Well, that's a key. And in the startup work I did when I was at GoodSell, because, um, well, we've we've done a number of deals. I I did financings for Hoku Scientific, Hawana, Hawaii Biotech, you know, a lot of different companies. So we got pretty good at specking the In the same type of model. Right. We would do a, a private... Uh, venture financing, basically, or angel financing. So we know how about how much time it would take to spec out something. You have to feel pretty comfortable. Although I would also add that to spec out something properly, you have to think about value add. If you're doing something for the very first time, the traditional model is charge the client to learn, and then you get better at it, and then use that experience to attract the next client who you charge less to. Well, of course, that's another complaint you hear from clients. Why do I pay for you to learn that? Mm-hmm. And we should listen to our client because they're a customer. That's a leg- legitimate point. So the point is you should figure out what the value, what the fee should be, and that's what you should charge even if it takes you longer. And so we, we, when we look at a new area of law that we'd have to learn, we think, is this a good investment of time? And if we don't see the uh, application going forward in other projects, we'll tell the client that and say, you know, We've looked at this. We don't think it's a good investment of our time because it's going to be a one-off thing. And because of that, we'll have to charge you more for it, and it's your choice whether you want to do it or not. But we tell them up front, if it's something that we're going to do repetitively, we discount our time to match the value. That would be a red flag, though, coming up if you're the company, right? Going, whoa, whoa, whoa. these guys who have done this over and over again now don't want my business in terms of this um, full-scope regard. Well, if it's something we've done over and over, we won't charge them. Uh, you know, we'll charge them a fixed fee, and we know what it should. I'm talking about something we've done that we've never done before. Okay. Sometimes people will come to us and say, "Can you do this?" And the amount of time it would take to get up to speed is pretty significant. And so we're happy not to charge a client so long as we can use that knowledge going forward. 
Are you staying primarily in a hyper focus of startups in certain industries, so that way you don't have to learn a bunch of new industries? Well, we're not so industry specific as we are um, about corporate formations, business formations. We represent a lot of、uh, emerging companies, but that's because there's a big push now to create an industry in Hawaii of of those sorts of companies. But we represent、uh, smaller businesses and businesses not necessarily going global. Our requirements are that they be ethical, that it be a clean、uh, industry, and that they be、uh, a good business. That we we've decided they're a good business to invest our time in. So, you know, it ranges from、uh, restaurant businesses. We have one business that's focusing on. They have an awesome hot dog. Oh yeah. They've been asked to franchise that by many many people. They make the hot dog themselves, or something, or they make it. They have their own proprietary system.、Uh, they're on. They're off island,、uh-huh. and they have one restaurant that's going gangbusters. And they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do now? And they、mm-hmm. gave us a call. We said, yeah, you know,、uh, we'd love to help you. You know, I sort of see us as almost like the、uh, Ghostbusters of law firms in the sense that we see a situation, we want to be called in, and we want to help, not <laughs> necessarily rescue a company,、mm-hmm. but we want to. Be partner up with them to become successful. Our model involves not only the legal work. You know, one of my lines is、uh, the legal work is the means to the end, not the end. You know, so in a traditional law firm, sometimes you get carried away a bit with the law being the end. To, you know, and how smart we are at the law, but really, it's something to get through. It's not. It's not something that, in and of itself, is to be launched. It's the business that you want to succeed. But yeah, company building. So we can help people find employees. We try to build a wide network of of people. We can help people find investment.、Uh, we're not finders though, so、I、always tell people we can make introductions、mm-hmm. and try to match people. But they, the company, ultimately has to raise the money. And we know people on the mainland, you know, that they can connect to if they're trying to seek venture capital funding. And we've actually invested a lot of time learning how to do this work, just the same way they do it in Palo Alto. Yeah, because we want to give our companies every advantage when they, if they have to seek capital, on the mainland to look just like any other company. For example, we do Delaware incorporations because that's the place investors want you to incorporate. So,、mm-hmm. for good reason. But we've learned to do that. That's exactly what it sounded like. Because I know that as we had talked to Silicon Valley attorneys before, and you know, Venture Law Group or Wilson Sonsini, that's the same type of model. Right. Building it not just law, but making introductions needed. Helping you in your plan. I mean, helping you actually exit. In Silicon Valley, the top lawyers don't have a piece of paper on their desk. Now, I'm not advocating that, you know, that approach for attorneys here. And I'm, I, I think I'll always like to do the work because I enjoy doing the legal work. But what they are called are human brokers,、mm-hmm. and what that means is they have a huge rolodex of people that they can help the entrepreneur meet.、Mm-hmm. And you think about it, you're starting out a business, you have. Not much resources. Who do you talk to? You know, investors aren't ready to talk to you. Family and friends might talk to you, but they don't know anybody. Accountants will generally want to get paid for their time. So who do you talk to? Well, the attorneys are one of the few people that you could talk to. And Wilson Sonsini started out actually helping companies, not because of the equities they ultimately get in these companies, but because they want to develop really good clients for the future.、Mm-hmm. And that was like 20 years ago. And look what happened to them now. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. 
After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Hawaiian time, Neptunites, sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites, For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Greg Kim, the founder of and partner in Vantage Council LLC. Mr. Kim was a former partner in the law firm of Goodsell, Anderson, Quinn, and Stifel and is an expert in the areas of venture capital, corporate securities and mergers and acquisitions, representing companies ranging from startup to public companies and venture capital firms, including Hamburg and Quist. Social entrepreneurship runs strong through Mr. Kim's family as his son, River, raised over $20,000 for charity this year. How does the social entrepreneurship portion come into all this? obviously have your business sense and your legal sense down. How does the social entrepreneurship come about? Did you have a revelation and wanted to put that in or you always thought like that? I didn't always think like this. Uh, one of the things I'm doing at my old school, Punahou, is trying to launch an entrepreneurship program because had I been exposed to it, I might have taken a different path. I think in a lot of ways it's a good path that I've taken because now I've had 20 years of traditional experience and now some of these thoughts that I'm coming up with uh, cannot be dismissed as crazy just because I've developed some track record already. Like I said, our law firm is focused on helping the community, not making money. I have the faith that if we do that, we'll be taken care of. I think Guy Kawasaki lectures on that same issue. Just do good, and the rest will take care of itself. When did you come up with that, though? I mean, was did something happen, or...? Or was it over a period of like time? A, or a, a lightning strike in May or something? Yeah, or like you almost died or, you know, well, someone died or no, things no, like No, no, no. There's nothing like that. I think it was a slow process as I was working with entrepreneurs and looking at the world differently through their filter. Entrepreneurs look at the world differently. Mm-hmm. They'll see a problem and they'll view it as an opportunity. And so I just started I, – I think lawyers in this, uh, in this era of law are lucky because they're in converging points. And that's where ideas come from. Convergence of, of the law, of the business, of the technology, of the investors, of the entrepreneurs, of the institutions. I'm right in the middle of all that. And so that's where studies will show ideas come out. That's why UH is trying to bring different departments together. That's where the best ideas come out of, convergence of different disciplines. So I think I w- I'm lucky and I'm blessed to be in that situation where I 
I see all this happening, and I think with a privilege comes responsibility to do something about it. So I will forever uh, dedicate my life to trying to, to do the right thing, and if I see something, I'm going to try to do something about it. The entrepreneurship side is aiming high in the result. You know, Yeah, I could sit here and um, keep a small firm and make a huge amount of money, but so what? You know, At the end of your life, what have you done other than make money? You know, I, I think the great thing about entrepreneurship is you can make a living and do good for the community at the same time. We're lucky to be in a profession that we actually have something of value already to offer. We're not like a startup trying to figure out what is our product. We have a product. And so the social part, really, I view all my clients as social entrepreneurship projects because whether it's solving the energy problem in the world, solving the disability problem in the world, curing cancer, hey, if you solve those problems, I don't think you have to worry too much about making a living. Mm-hmm. You know, Now, there are certain social problems that where there isn't a revenue generation out of that, and then you've got to get the public support. So... That's why the social entrepreneurship side is a side where you're not necessarily having a revenue model, but you come up with something that captures people's imagination to the point where they're going to support you. And if you create enough assets to support it, you can run the program off those assets. Well, let's talk about that a little bit in terms of your son, River, mm-hmm. and his Malama Jam. How did that come about? Well, a few years ago, we're uh, getting ready for Christmas, and it's actually a month before Christmas, and my son, River, said... Um, Hey, Dad, you know, I have everything I need. Don't buy me presents. Uh, I would appreciate it if you just donate the money to the homeless. He has a very soft heart for the homeless. And um, so that blew me away like it would any parent. I mean, my son's a good, really good kid, but even so, that was surprising. So I've been talking to my sons about entrepreneurship, that if they became a doctor, lawyer, or engineer, that's fine, you know, and that's admirable. But if they want to take a different path, that's fine, too. It's legitimate. So then the light bulb went off. I said, hey, Riv, River, why don't we, that's my son's name, why don't we launch a project together? I gave him a certificate that Christmas that said, this entitles you to launch a new event that will raise money for the homeless with your dad. And we, he came up with the idea of having a concert, organized, run, perform all by kids, top talent in the state, so we have a great show, but at the same time pick a great cause. And we felt that if kids do this, community will come out in support of it. And he came up with the word Malama Jam, Malama to mean care for, and Jam to play music. And um, the first year we picked Institute for Human Services, uh, raised uh, 15000 net, 20000 gross. And um, we had a terrific lineup of acts, including this uh, lady, Jomel Sumaira, who now has a CD, I noticed. So that's part of our idea, is to get the top talent, to showcase the talent. Then... You know, people will buy tickets for various reasons, but also because it's a good show. We also have a silent auction where we raise money through selling kids' art and other items that are donated. And so people are very supportive of kids. That's an unfair advantage. When you talk about startups, you look for the unfair advantage. People can't resist helping kids, especially trying to help adults. So kids raising money to help homeless adults. I mean, that's, that's pretty compelling. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.